Well, this time, the Lent, Lenten season, the time before um, the resurrection and the, uh, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, I've been um, talking about resurrection and its importance. And today I want to speak in, in John chapter 11 about Lazarus. And the title of my message is Death, Grief, Hope, and Lazarus. <laughs> Death, Grief, Hope, and Lazarus. Now, the, the, the important thing for us to see here is that the resurrection of Lazarus is the most dramatic sign of the deity of Christ. And so there are many other miracles that Jesus did. And he, you know, he raised... Um, the uh, daughter of Jairus and the, the, the widow's son and things like that, those individuals. But they were almost immediately after they died. And we said, well, that's, you know, for us, it was like, it's still a miracle. They were still passed. Well, the, the challenge is, in, in, I remember reading this years ago, the Jewish custom was the soul really didn't leave the body until about four days later. So the, the idea of awaiting the four days was, it, it had a number of significant things going on for Lazarus and the, the four days, but it was important that, as we see what happens here in this story of Lazarus, there's, there's a lot of things that fit into our own life. And well, we'll begin with chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha, Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we have these three individuals, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They are the three closest friends of Jesus outside of the disciples. When Jesus is in the area of Bethany, he stays with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Um, we have the occasion in which the disciples drop by for a dinner, and uh, Martha's in the kitchen, and Mary's sitting out there listening to Jesus, and Martha comes out and says, Jesus, tell Martha, tell Mary to get in the kitchen and help me get supper ready for all of you. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. She has chosen the better thing to sit here and listen. And so these individuals were very prominent in the life of Jesus, but the, the most important thing is that, Lord, the one you love is sick, okay? Sometimes, um, well, God doesn't love this person. No, in this case, we're looking at how that the relationship that Jesus has with these three individuals, and especially with Lazarus, is that he is one, he is an individual whom has been expressed that Jesus loves, they, he loves Jesus, Jesus loves him, and he is sick. Now, verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. No, it is for God's glory, so that this God's Son may be glorified through it. Well, we would say, we look at that and we'd say, okay, well, he's not really going to die. Jesus is going to make him better and everything's going to be okay. Whenever one of our biggest challenges, you know, I'm doing grief work and, and all that, one of the biggest challenges people have is what purpose does it have? If a person is sick, what purpose does it serve? If a person dies, what good is it? What, what is the purpose in all this? What is, is there any good that can come of this? 
And we, we're challenged, like we're trying to find some good in order to say it's okay for this to happen. And so in this case, we find that Jesus is telling them uh, he will not, his, this will not end in death. Now, does Jesus not know that Lazarus is already dead? Yes, he does. But what he's trying, what, he, what we see in this is that death that the disciples and everybody else saw as death, Jesus refers to it as sleep, meaning that something to be awakened from. So every time Jesus speaks of death here in this situation, and we'll see in a moment here, he talks about sleep. And not meaning, you know, don't be afraid to go to sleep at night, okay? You know, some, you know, um, uh, we've been with families in which they told their kids, oh, don't worry, he just, Grandpa, he just fell asleep. And, the, you know, the child's up all night. Not, why aren't you sleeping? I'm not going to sleep. He, God may come and take me, you know? No, he didn't sleep that sleep. Going to sleep at night and waking up in the morning is not what this is about. This one is that death, what we would consider death, is something to be awakened from. And that's what Jesus is referring to here in this verse. And so, um, then verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. Here's the word again. He loved them. So, don't misinterpret God's love for us. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whenever we, he loves us with an unending, undying love, so the relationship is secure, the relationship is in place, that he is loved, all right? But then we find circumstances. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Hmm. Now, if he really loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, why did he stay two more days? Well, the thought is, um, they are in Bethany, and Jesus is, I forget the location, but he's about a day journey. So when the Mary and Martha sent a messenger to um, Jesus, it took them about a day. Well, if we do the math, when Jesus arrives at, at back at Bethany and Lazarus is dead, he's been dead four days. So the day, the one-day journey, two days waiting, a day journey, four days. So it isn't like um, Jesus says, oh, well, we'll just let him die and take care of him later. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he, Lazarus was prob probably already had passed before the messenger got to Jesus to tell him that Lazarus was sick. So he waits, and it's been four days. Verse 7. Let us, let he, then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Verse 8. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you and yet you are going back. So there was an intense hatred for Jesus because Jesus represented a complete change in, in the, whole, the whole system. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning, that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, meaning those who, are those who are spiritually poor. And, you know, and, and that, you know, you don't... You don't uh, 
you are humble and you, you don't announce your prayers in the street corners like the Pharisees. So it's a complete, contradi- a complete opposite of what the uh, system is, in the religious system in Jerusalem, the temple, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes. Their whole system was completely opposite of what Jesus was bringing into place. And they didn't want that to happen. Jesus didn't get permission from them to do this. So they really didn't like Jesus. <laughs> and just a little tidbit, after, after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, do you know what these individuals wanted to do? Let's kill Lazarus and Jesus both <laughs> because they're gaining too much power. So you see how blind these individuals were to what Jesus was doing. So let's go on. I hope I didn't ruin the story for you that Lazarus is resurrected, you know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't ruin the story. All right, you knew that, right? It's like the people standing in line to watch the Titanic, and the people behind them said, wow, you know, I sure like the ending when the boat sinks. And the people said, you mean the boat sinks? <laughs> I have to get a sign. Laugh. <laughs> I had one once. <laughs> it's one church. I had, I had to hold up a sign. That was a joke, a laugh. Okay. But anyhow, verse 9. Uh, we fin- okay. Verse 9. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, but he sees uh, by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles for he has no light. Well, that little scripture is basically saying Jesus is the light of the world. Um, He has come to display that light to all men and to all people. And while it is still day, while he is still doing the work of his Father, it is is light. The night cometh, basically in in, in a week here or so, when he, you know, faces the Garden of Gethsemane and the crucifixion, it will be the nighttime that they come and arrest him. But Jesus is walking in the light, and as we walk in the light of who Christ is, we don't stumble. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. So, <laughs> there, this is where he refers to Lazarus being dead. And the idea is he is going there to wake him. They're calling there to call him back to life. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he's sleeping, (laughs) well, he'll get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So whenever we face some of life's most difficult circumstances, uh, whenever we face some of our tragedies, we wonder how, how we can make sense of it. What purpose does it have? And many times there is no, it makes no sense. You know, death, accidents, you know, a pastor, his, his son was, you know, drowned. And, and, and you know, he was talking about, you know, I find no purpose, no sense in this. And you, you don't. There's no, you know, there's nothing. It doesn't make sense in this life. And sometimes uh, in this life, not, the events of life don't make sense, but God has a purpose and God has a plan and we don't understand it 
and we just have to trust. And trusting sometimes is difficult when what we believe and what we are hoping for doesn't happen. And that's what we see in just a few minutes. Verse 14. He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Here is the purpose that Jesus has for the death of Lazarus. It is for the belief, so that the disciples will believe in who Jesus is. Now, if you think of all the things that Jesus has done, I mean, he's raised the dead. I mean, these the people that, but they weren't dead for four days. They were only dead for a couple hours, you know or maybe a day, he raised the dead, he walks on water, he, he multiplied the five loaves, two fishes, he, you know, heals the sick, open blinded eyes, lame to walk, you know, preaches this, these, this whole new understanding of the gospel and the revelation of God, and he says, Lazarus has died because <laughs> I want you to believe. <laughs> so sometimes when the things that we don't understand the most. Perhaps it's God telling us, I want you to believe. When we can't make sense of things, you know, that's a time for us to believe. It's a, it's a hard thing to do, but that's the time for us to believe. Verse 16. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. So they see this as this will probably be their end. So these, they're away from Jerusalem. They've kind of moved away from the, the hub of all this persecution and hatred. And they've been away from it for a while. And now they're headed back to Bethany, which is just two miles outside of Jerusalem. And uh, the, Thomas says, okay, let's go back with him and we're going to die with him. This is, this is the end. This is why we're here. Now, you know, we know for a long time the disciples were saying, hey, I want, um, who's going to sit on your right hand and your left, Jesus? <laughs> you know, when you set your kingdom up, we want to sit on your right and your left and who's going to be most important? Now they're saying, well, let's go back and die with him. It's like, Something's going wrong, it's all over, and something's just not shaping up correctly. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Well, in the Middle East, it can reach 110, 115 degrees in the daylight, <laughs> in daytime. And so you've got these caves, it's a cave, basically, uh, it can be a natural cave in the limestone, or it can be people who have workers who have gone in there and hewed it out and made this cave. And, and what they do is they, they make a cave and then they make a shelf uh, out of the stone. You know, they cut down the side and then they make a shelf. Sometimes the, these caves are, have multiple shelves for multiple people and families, but this was a new, cave, new, new grave, you know, this was, uh, this was where Lazarus was, and there's only one person in the tomb. So he's in this cave. They've got this large stone put in front of it so that animals, predators, grave robbers can't get in. So he's been in there four days. He started to decay. Verse 
18. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now, many had come to comfort, so that meant that Mary and Martha were pretty prominent individuals, not only in Bethany, but in Jerusalem. So when a lot of people show up at a funeral and four days later, they're still there, it means that this family is a pretty prominent individual. Many people come and they stay to show their respect. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Now, remember, Martha is the, the doer, the, you know, the get up and go. Well, when she heard that Jesus was nearby, she went out to meet him. So Jesus doesn't make it into Bethany. He's just outside of Bethany. And Martha goes out to meet him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, for any of us who have lost loved ones, lost people, I don't mean they got lost somewhere, they died, we use that lost word, but we, when they died, we prayed for them. We prayed for them to get better, we prayed for them to get well, we wanted them to recover. And it's like, Jesus, if you'd heard our prayers, we wouldn't have this grief. And whether it's young or, or old, we still, you know, we don't like loved ones to die. So Martha here, it's, it's, like, it's like some people have interpreted this as Martha rebuking Jesus. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Or it could be that Jesus, if you had stayed around, I know that you could have made him well instead of going off to uh, the, you know, going a, a day's journey away. If you had been here when, when he was sick, we would, we, you know, he would be well. Uh, but I know that even now, God will give you, what you whatever you ask. And this one is, even now, I know that you can make something good out of this. And that, you know, I thought of, wow. How many times in the, the whole grieving process, if there's just a reason that, it, that this happened, that, that it will be helpful to make some sense out of it. So Martha's asking Jesus, can you make something good out of this? So, and then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. <laughs> well, that's, that should be encouraging words. You know, your brother is going to rise again. But Martha interprets this as, at the end of life, at the end of the world and everything, and everybody has risen from the dead. Yes, I know, he's going to rise in the resurrection. Martha answered, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. When it's all said and done, at the end, this obscure resurrection, he's going to rise. Jesus now presents to her the great I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus now takes Martha from a obscure resurrection of all people at the, end of, at the end of the age, and he says to her, Martha, I am resurrection. I am life. He who believes in me will, will even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He who believes in me will live. Do you believe this? So Jesus takes Martha from this 
obscure hope that is part of her faith in saying, out there at the end of it all, there's going to be a resurrection. And now Jesus is saying, Martha, I am that resurrection. So he, she, <laughs> Jesus is taking her from a doctrine to a belief to a person. I am life. I am resurrection. You see, Jesus was there in creation and breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. And when Jesus says, I am resurrection, I am life, it says that all life depends on me because that's who I am. And so he takes her from this obscure belief to this personal relationship that she thought she had with him or that Martha thought that she had with him but she didn't see it completely. And whenever Jesus says this to her, I am the resurrection, well, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So now she's moved to this personal testimony, this personal understanding, but it's not a full revelation. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah, you are the resurrection. And, and, I, and sometimes that's where we are at. We believe in Jesus, we believe in who he is, we believe in what he can do. But sometimes we just can't see it completely. And it takes the circumstances of life, especially the complicated ones, that will open our eyes to see what Jesus says to Martha, I am resurrection. Verse 28. After she she had said this, She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn, uh, even to mourn there. So... Martha now tells Mary, Mary gets up and goes out to meet Jesus. Well, there are a number of people there with Mary and Martha in the house, and uh, they are comforting, mourning. And I didn't realize this, that in, the, in that custom, is, if this is a, um, a traditional custom. We don't know it's official custom, but a traditional custom, that they would hire uh, the poorest family. Uh, even a poor family would have to hire two flute pay, two flute players and a professional mourner to mourn the person who had died that was just tradition that was just what they needed to do so there was always at least that many there was at least three or more that were considered the professional mourners to express the sorrow that perhaps the family didn't want to or couldn't express and so they would pay these individuals to do so so when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet and said Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had answered my prayers, these events wouldn't have happened. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and a spirit spirit troubled. (laughs) Why is Jesus troubled? 
He is upset because of how sin and death and people separated from God, what agony it had brought into the world. God didn't want people to die. When he created us, he created, it, he created us to live forever. In the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of life. We could eat of that one. Tree of knowledge of good and evil? No, no. So God created us to live forever. And so he is troubled here because he, he was angry at the sorrow that, that rebellion and hell and the devil had brought into people's lives. And he is troubled by this. And then he says, where have you laid him? Lead me to your sorrow. Lead me to your sorrow. And they said, come see, Lord, they replied. Verse 25, Jesus wept. This is considered to be a silent burst into tears. You know, silent burst into tears. Not for the mourning of Lazarus, but for the sorrow that had gripped the hearts of people over death. Jesus knew Lazarus is coming back in a few moments, so his grief is not for Lazarus. His grief is for the sorrow of death. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Always there's two groups of people looking at Jesus. There's always two groups of people looking at our life and looking at our faith. There are those who would say, see how they loved him, see how Jesus loved him. (laughs) And then some said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? (laughs) The critics. (laughs) The critics are always there trying to prove something or disrupt things. You know, couldn't Jesus have healed this guy? You know, why wasn't he around? So, this is where we live. Kind of right here at this point. Loved ones have died, they're buried. We're in grief. We wonder where where God is, why it didn't happen, and we're kind of left there. But this is not where the story ends. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. So this this has moved the heart of Jesus greatly because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, just as he loves us. When pain hurts us, pain hurts God. He hurts for us. So, one more, he came to the tomb, this cave where the stone was rolled in place. It was a cave where a stone was across the entrance, and he claims, he he cries out, he tells them, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. He's already started to decay. His flesh is starting to rot away. For he has been there four days. You know, it's almost like Martha is telling Jesus, no good can come of this. Over here previously, Jesus, you are the son of God. You can surely do something. Can you bring good out of this? And now Martha is saying, well, you can't do, (laughs) you don't open the grave because no good can come of this one. You know, he's dead, he's decaying, no good can come of this. And so Jesus, he doesn't listen to us sometimes. (laughs) That's a good thing, right? Then Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? This is hope. This is hope. This is where God is. He gives to us hope. 
And whenever we have death, grief, sorrow, we have hope. And then Jesus says here that, uh, did I not tell you if you believe you would see the glory of God? And what is the purpose that Jesus told the disciples? You're, I'm, I did this, Lazarus has died so that you might believe. So all this is coming to a climax and nobody kind of knows what's going on here. And so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, and this is one of, I think, one of my favorite prayers, <laughs> in the sense that Jesus doesn't ask for anything. He thanks the Father. He thanks Father. See, sometimes, you know, when God knows our prayers, he knows what we have need of even before we ask, sometimes it's important for us just to be thankful. He already knows. He already is, is providing, and so we, we are thankful. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So we can begin, well, what is the prayer? He hasn't made a prayer yet, but he's thanking God that he has been heard. And then he goes on and he says, I know that you always hear me. He always hears me. He always knows my thoughts. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. I am doing this so all of those who are around here will know I have come to do the will of my Father. And my Father has sent me, meaning that he is the Messiah. And that he is the one who has the resurrection and the life. He is the one who is the one who gives the sustainer of life. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. We find that here, this miraculous, can you imagine what's going on in this crowd, in this group of people, that the stone is rolled away and these, this, bound, this person bound in linen kind of comes hobbling out of the, out of the grave? And it is there that they see the resurrected power, the power of God being manifest. Now, what happens, you know, we think of this in just a week or so, short time period, Jesus is going to be crucified and they're all going to be devastated. Sometimes our greatest miracles come before our greatest problems. And we find that the greatness of our our stability in Christ will sustain us through the greatness of the difficulties. But no matter how it is, we know that Jesus is the giver of life. He has the power of life. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. <laughs> now, we notice that Jesus said Lazarus. If he said come forth, all the graves in the area would have come out. But he says, Lazarus, come forth. And what is this? This is a preview. It is a preview of what will happen at the end when, you know, Martha's saying, yeah, I know at the end, everybody's going to be resurrected. Well, this is a preview of what's going to happen at the end. When Jesus, the trump of God, shall sound, the dead in Christ will rise, we will hear this voice that will call to us and we will come out of our tomb. The question. One of the final thoughts. I thought this was such a, a challenging thought. When you die, when we die, do you fully expect that your next conscious experience will be to hear the voice of Jesus call your name. (laughs) 
Jesus will call our name and we'll be home. But until then, he is the resurrection and the life now and forevermore. We have accepted Christ into our heart. The Spirit of God is alive in us and the Holy Spirit is abiding in us. And if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in us, he will quicken our mortal bodies and we shall live forever. We already are part of that living forever and death may come to take the body, but the life that is in us lives forever. Amen. Death, grief, hope, and Lazarus. <laughs> and the next voice you hear <laughs> yeah, is the voice of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. And Lord, in this magnificent story, these magnificent events, they teach us of your love and your compassion, your grace, your mercy, your power. We thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit makes these real to us. We are part of your kingdom, and your heart and your, your spirit speaks to us each day to comfort, to strengthen, to guide. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for answering our prayers. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.